1: Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, welcome
0: to Tea Time with T-Kid. I'm T-Kid. Today, my guest on the show is Doug Cohen, the co-founder of 99th Floor, a cannabis dinner series that makes some of the best edibles I've ever had. And he's bringing over some infused fudge made by his partner in 99th Floor, the very talented chef Miguel Trinidad. And then Doug's friend Spliff is gonna stop by with some really, really nice flowers for us to try. But to start off, a little introduction to the 99th Floor. Today, we're hanging out with my friend Doug Cohen, the co-founder of 99th Floor. That's a group that has a bunch of underground dinner parties that infuse gourmet food with cannabis. In the best way, I've been to several of these dinners now, and every single time, it is really exceptional. The food is really, really good, and it gets you just stoned enough. And Doug, I wanted to ask you, how exactly did you get started doing cannabis dinners.
1: Basically, man. I met Miguel I was working with DJ Neil Armstrong on a project where like he was going to teach chefs how to DJ and then the chef was going to teach him how to cook. So we did like a dinner party with chef with Miguel, uh, my partner in 99 floors, Miguel Trinidad, and and he's the chef and like the yeah, culinary he's expert. He's the he's the dude. I mean, he's been, you know, on Food Network Vice Munchies, um, Two Stars in the New York Times, which uh, Two Stars is really, really exceptional. He knows the fuck he's doing, for sure. So we met, and I, um, I was working on the production side with my marketing company um, with Neil, and Miguel and I met, and I'm really into food, and we just kind of hit it off because we're both native New Yorkers. So it was cool, you know, you got a little bit of that vibe, like that cultural connection. I was like yo let's make some edibles and he was like hell yeah let's make some edibles uh then it kind of evolves and i have a uh another homie this dude um bam uh he has a, a dope farm up in uh santa cruz and he was making these really amazing co2 extractions like terpy and delicious and smells good and like i'm not i really don't like co2 extraction generally I have that like fucking weird flavor, but his shit was just delicious. So he was doing these really dope extractions where we're like, yo, let's go to Frisco, check out his farm, you know, learn more about cannabis, especially for, for Miguel, and, you know, fuck around. So we, we were there and we rented a, a ramen restaurant and like as like a, like, a couple of hours just to, like, so Miguel can do the chef thing. So he hit, like, the farmer's market. He got all these CO2 oils from from uh, Bam, and we rented this thing, and we did, like, a small dinner for, like, eight people. And I remember being like, yo, this is fucking crazy. So what did Miguel
0: make on that first infused dinner? So
1: he started off with a beet carpaggio salad with an OG Kush-infused citrus vinaigrette and then a tonkatsu ramen, with a OG Kush infused soy sauce, that was crazy, like insane. We did it, and we were just blown the fuck away. We we're like, "Yo, this is really crazy." And I guess from there, we were just like, "Yo, let's keep working on it." We did one in L.A., and then we started doing them out here. And you know, we just were like, "Yo, like, you know, this is this is pretty dope." You know, and and there's been a, over the last like year, year and a half, I feel like there's been a real cannabis cuisine revolution. So for what we do. I mean, you you know you've probably tried a lot more of other people's cannabis foods. Oh yeah, that.
0: yeah. I've had the fortune of eating a lot of different gourmet infused foods, and actually, the way Miguel puts it together, I mean, that is definitely like some of the best cannabis food I've ever had. He made a pea soup for the uh, a 99th floor brunch that I attended a couple months ago that had lobster in it, uh, and it was. It was incredible. It was the best edible. That that actually, you know what? I would list that as the best edible I've ever had. That's awesome. Because it was unexpected and it was infused and it you could taste it and you could like taste only the good parts of it and none of the bad. And the dish itself, the, the infusion aside, was really, really good. It was just perfectly balanced,
1: you know? So, so like, you know, when, when I speak to Miguel about cooking— I always ask him, like, what separates him from me, ultimately, right? Like, and, and, you know, it could be whatever, but his answer is anybody— I've heard other people ask him this, too. It's like, it's technique, infusion of flavor on any level. He's a French-trained chef. Mm. So he understands that on a, on a really deep level, you know, and, and uh, when you talk about cannabis food, you know, so terpenes are the, what we associate with the flavor and the smell of cannabis. Right terpenes and flavonoids but more in cannabis it's more terpenes and uh but ca- but terpenes have a burn off temperature starting at 100 degrees. Yeah. And I think that it ends it's 100 degrees is like the lowest but I think even a lot at 134 there's a lot of burn off. So what happens with a lot of cook- chefs is maybe their techniques aren't there to keep that terpene you know the terpene flavor really there and what you end up getting when you strip away terpene is dirt you get what it tastes like if you ever smoke a blunt or a joint or a bong and the fucking you get a little bit of the the i guess really not a bong but like you know a little bit of that bud when gets you in, your in your mouth yeah and you're and like tea. oh this is yeah. disgusting and yeah. then the flavor kind of sits there for a little while like yeah. nobody wants to eat nobody wants to like eat a bud you know yeah. what i mean <laughs> but if it smelled like it taste you know if it tasted like it smelled you would yeah um or if it tasted like it smoked when you know when you smoke it Mm. um so you know i think i think that's one of the things that he's really learning and he's really good at but but it's almost just natural to him because he'll pick up a bud and he he'll he'll smell those notes like it's any food ingredient
0: you know at the 99th floor dinners there's a level of professionalism that goes into it as well. Because, like, you know, the food is really good. You know, that's Miguel's expertise. Um, But somehow, like, you know, everything is so timely and, you know, explained perfectly just at the right time. Like, you know, the atmosphere is really good. The feng shui in general always kind of works out. Can you describe uh, sort of, you know, the, the sequence of events and the dishes that we had at the last dinner
1: that I came to? We started off with a cocktail, which was a watermelon apparel spritz, which was watermelon juice, prosecco, and apparels. And uh, it's funny, people really, really like that cocktail. I got a lot of comments on that one. It's like very light and summery, and uh, it was pretty delicious. Um, I think watermelon juice is pretty, pretty good ingredient for the most part. Uh, then uh, the next course was. Uh, a fluke crudo with uh, toasted coconut and uh, caviar. Um, then the course after that was a farmer's market salad. Um, I know that one when he does his salad and a lot of the food that he'll do, he'll he won't necessarily prepare the meal for a lot far in advance because he likes to see if he's going to do a seafood, what's good, what's a good fish that's he's finding, or you know if it's any kind of vegetable or produce at all. Um, he wants to make sure that he's going to find the freshest one that is what he's looking for specifically. So there's been times definitely when he's planned a menu and then went to the farmer's market and been like, I don't like these, this, I'm going to go switch this out. So I don't remember exactly what was in the farmer's market. I actually uh, try not to eat too much when I'm at the dinners just because I'm working. So I don't want to, you know, I'll usually like pick one course and snack on that all night. Mm-hmm. Uh, the course after that was a roasted corn chowder uh, and that, Roasted corn chowder had uh, it had uh, green onion crema, toasted pine nuts, um, and a can of butter poached lobster. Have and you had I, people fall out at the 99th floor dinners ever? Uh, no. Once a girl got sick, but that was because she was drinking. Yeah. But, uh, see, uh, that's what'll, that's fuck, what'll you fuck you up. <laughs> but we but our dinners will be like 12 to 15 milligrams through the whole dinner, which is really nothing. But we we let you curate it because will do like a steak, and then with the steak will be like a mole sauce. That mole sauce might be like an extra three milligrams. You don't need it for the dish, but if you want that extra three milligrams, you can go and have that extra three milligrams. And if you don't, you can curate your own experience. Yeah,
0: that's a really interesting thing that you guys do. And, you know, every time Miguel presents a dish, there is very often like this additional option. He'll be like, if you feel like being extra, you know, infused... Have a little bit of the gravy or the sauce or like a
1: little bit more of the salad dressing or whatever it might be. So one of the major differences between edibles and smoking is we THC on a plant is a non-active, right? It's TTA, and it needs to be heat activated in order to be to work. So when you smoke weed, it's the TTA is converted to delta THC nine when you cook weed, decarb it and cook it and whatever, we don't need to get too deep into that, but when, you, when you're eating an edible, your uh, liver converts the THC, it is delta THC9 when it's, when it's converted, when it's cooked, but then your liver takes it and converts it to hydroxy THC11. So there's a few major differences between THC9 and THC11, and one of the big ones is uh, strength. 10 milligrams of delta THC9 is really nothing Ten milligrams of hydroxy THC eleven is pretty is a punch. The other big difference is uh, when you are when you smoke, you're as high as you're going to be ten minutes into smoking, and it's pretty much a twenty minute peak, and then you're down. Right. Edibles
0: are unpredictable. Edibles
1: is, is a brilliant hour before you really feel it, yeah, or and more, or maybe a little less. Exactly. Yeah. But and then it's like two three hours before you made if you especially if you had a big dose before you've even peaked. So, like, for people like us that like to smoke, we're like, let's smoke this joint. And then if we're crashing a little, we can get smoke a little bit more or, you know, have the bong there, the pen or whatever. Mm. If that's not what you're into, you just want to get fucked up. You know, the act of smoking doesn't turn you on. Right. It's being, fu- you know, high is what you're into. Having that really sustained uh, high is, is better. And I think it's, it's also, like, why a lot of younger people like dabbing is because— with smoking, I think there is sort of a ceiling. You're not going to really get much higher, like, you know, past a certain point. With an edible high, you can get a lot higher. And I think also some people like that ability to, again, just go to that next level. And I think that's, for people that don't smoke, there's something that's really appealing about that. So we've been, you know, formulating some retail products. Eventually we're going to launch some some uh, in California. So I got two versions of a fudge um, that... That we've been working on. Oh my god! And this yeah. is actually like I eat this shit like every night. This is yeah. how I, I've really gotten into the, to the edibles, Wow! So, yeah. All right, so and these are different, huh? They're yeah, they're both fudge, but they're they're slightly different formulations. And they're together. both uh, infused. They're both infused. All right. Oh, you could eat that whole thing even, and you'd be you'd be good. Yeah, it's just a couple milligrams. Yeah. Right. He's, All right. He's now putting the f- fudge on his spoon. <laughs> his spoon <laughs> enters his mouth. Must. Uh, Scintillating radio is listening to people. Oh
0: yeah, food. I'll smack my lips into the well, mic a whole bunch. There's nothing more interesting. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah, that's incredible. It tastes like a little spicier almost. There's like parts of the weed plant that are really tasty and parts that are not. And you know, you guys have always accomplished getting those tasty parts We're trying. We're trying. Right, fitting in just right. And right around then, Doug's friend Spliff stopped by with some weed. So Doug, uh you're flipping the script on me this week. Usually I have a buddy stop by with some weed treats, but this time around it's one of your buddies that you introduced me to stopping by for weed treats. Uh can you give him a little intro? Him intro? Yeah. So I got my
1: homie Spliff right here. What up, um, Spliff? Yes, yes, yes. How's I it going, dude? Nice to see ya. What up? So Spliff is I met Spliff a long time ago, maybe like almost 20 years ago, actually through his brother. It was like around when Sour Diesel was, was coming out. You know, he just really like came around and he always had like the craziest shit. Like, you know, that, like I said, that's when like Sour was around and we're talking like 96, seven, whatever. You know, it was going for like 600 an ounce, 700 an ounce. In New York Jeez. in the 90s. Think about that. Inflation adjusted, what that would be right now. That's got to be a thousand bucks an ounce. Who the hell
0: is paying that? Because even now. Everyone. You know, yeah. yeah, but at this point, like, you know, I wouldn't pay over a certain amount for weed because after a certain point, like, you know, I think that the, as a commodity itself, it doesn't have that much value and it becomes like, like sneakers or something where it's just like, oh, there's this like strain that's rarer or it's just like better. and so.
2: It wasn't until I was older till I realized that Something has to be the best, and the best in any product ever charges more. I just went to uh, the bodega in Williamsburg and paid ten dollars for organic chocolate-covered raisins. Ten dollars. You yeah, can buy raisinets for a dollar. That's 10 times the price. So in all fairness, and and the thing is, is when you talk about six or $700, first of all, you're talking about there's still a lot of rich people in the city, even back in the 90s. Right. There's rich people from all around the world here. And if you can find those customers, they want the best of the best. How come you can go to a club and you need bottle service and will spend $500 on one bottle of something that you could buy outside the club for $40 for a bottle? Back then, you're paying 500 It's It's, it's a prestige thing.
0: Yeah. And if you're doing that, why is it so out of scope that you're paying? Right. And the other thing I was going to say is
2: basically what happened was if you could get any, if you could even get your hands on anything special, just like now, you know, it's special for a reason. Back then, candy stores and delivery services were huge and new. And these guys were selling 1.7 grams to 2.2 grams for 50 bucks you were buying four grams for 100 bucks and if you wanted to buy an ounce they'd say no you're buying 400 bags so you're getting a total of uh, 16 grams for 400 bucks. And that's like, that's almost We would almost lap like- that up. I grew up in a suburb and there were rich kids. And as soon as we got our license, we would go with kids who had money and it was nothing. And we'd go right to these services. We go, go to the West Village and buy glass and bongs and all that. And then we go right to these services and we get the best weed humanly possibly because we could stay in Jersey and get like some okay stuff. Yeah. But we were connoisseurs and snobs back then and we were on the search for the best so and this was what more. like
0: late 90s was it like cartoon network
2: this is this is the mid 90s and I think I the first time I saw AJ Sourdee was 97 I had friends he was living upstate above the city he wasn't living in the city yet and I happened to be friends with people who could uh, see him and yeah it was the first uh, stuff that I was paying 500 ounce for but I definitely gave him and other people grief about it and bitched you know, in the end, it was the best. Connoisseur shit, just like anything, is small batch. The best cars to the best beers are small batch. And that's what makes it special. And the love and attention you can put into each batch is, is superior. There's going to be the Marlboro of weed when it's legal. There's going to be like Camel and Marlboro, and there's going to be the Budweiser, and they're going to buy up land everywhere they can, and they're going to make these giant corporate things, and they're going to push out the little man, and that's all coming. And that's why places like California voted against it originally, Recreational. They were the first ones that could have done it before Colorado. Mm-hmm. They voted no, even though it's obviously a pro-weed state. Anyone yeah. can get a um a, med, a, card. A med card if you pay 150 bucks and you say... I I need a backyotomy.
0: <laughs> Doctor said I need my a backyotomy. Back.
2: But it's like, I think that's the only, that's one of the main problems I have it too with the pharmaceutical and the corporate um, version of it that, that it's taking away the innocence of what it was. Um, and I grew up being a little older than you, just seeing it evolve in this like, you know, I know a lot of hippies and I know a lot of hippies that grew the best weed that anyone ever saw, you know? And it's like, that's what's special. And then to like lose it to like corporations who were quick to put people in jail for this. And now they're going to like jump ship and be like, actually, I can make lots of money off this. OK, now we're going to run this market. What? And wow. I just think it's really. Uh, fuck
1: that opinion. Oh, yes. This of- is the needed. thing. This
2: no. is the thing. He. Go ahead. I'll let you finish and then I'll, I'll retort. I'll stonely retort. Just from a medical perspective, if
1: we're really focused on cannabis as a as a medicine and we're. But we're not. But
2: but most people smoke it recreational. But, but pharmacies yeah, are not. But I'm saying the definition of what a medicine what
0: is is also like. But you pharmacies know, are not. Right.
2: But the overwhelming majority of people just want to smoke it recreational. So that's actually Trump's. Medicinal no, but but, but right there's now, no
0: recreational. It's it's a it's a life supplement, right? right? I think you know it's therapeutic. I think most people smoke
1: weed because it's therapeutic. Honestly, right. I but don't it, know. Like, but again, it, it, the, let's let's hear Doug stick the, right. up there for is, corporate greed. No, it's not about sticking up for corporate greed. It's you know, there's medicine. We have <laughs> to play some Viagra fudge in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have
0: Viagra infused dinner uh, in New York. It's like an old another clientele. Actually, that's gonna be my game, man. You know, you got the weed dinner thing covered. I'm gonna do Viagra. No, it's like there was all this
2: natural dick medicine from like plants, yeah, yeah, and then like, yeah, like yeah. it just turned corporate, dude. Yeah, <laughs> it's in little pills at like the bodega, you know? Yeah, of course. It's called like whatever. Well, I, I like, don't know anything about Silver that. Silver Stallion, I've you know? Never yeah, used those. boner pills.
0: You know? Yeah, bodega boner pills. Right. And that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. To learn more about 99th Floor and their incredible dinner series. Check them out on Instagram. That's at 99THFL. Have a good one.